Welcome to the Lodge. You've accessed the LodgeCast experience. Warning, warning. Dangerous spoilers ahead. Enjoy. Hello and welcome to Political Hot Takes. I'm your Lodge Master with me as always is Brother Bishki. God bless America. And Brother Lucas. I can neither confirm nor deny that that is who he says I am. Next question, please. <laughs> Just the three of us tonight. And oh boy, this is a Lodge cast movie if ever <laughs> there was one. You know it's going to be a delicious meal when film Twitter is trending about it. Oh my God. It is called Ir- Irresistible. The title Irresistible is written in white and the word resist is written in red. It's enough to give you a headache right off the bat. The title Irresistible is terrible for this film. This film is about Steve Carell as a political strategist, Rose Byrne as his rival political strategist, descending on this small town in Wisconsin to get involved in the local mayoral election process. The Irresistible of the title is campaign funding. Yeah. Like what is going on with the title? I I don't I could I didn't think about it too much, but now that I think about it, like, no, I don't even know how you factor this title in. <laughs> yeah. It movie. feels like John Stewart had like a much longer title and they were like, you just the marketing said yeah. it's gotta be mm-hmm. like irresistible. It's gotta be punchy. So it's directed. Is it written by John Stewart? I yes. Probably, yeah. yes. And it's Steve Carell. They're both alumni of the Daily Show. I mean, we just got to go through this thing. I am I am like Marwin levels of bafflement over this movie. <laughs> and you know when that happens, like something special's afoot. Like Steve Carell, I love him, but when he goes out of his lane, which is his lane is vulnerable goofball. Yeah. When he goes out of his lane to play like debonair or like a cocksure, swaggery political strategist. It's just nails on, on the chalkboard for me. And I don't know, there's no there's no way around it. Yeah, he's so unlikable in this film. But that, I mean, that's what they want you to do. But it's just, but it's also like so unfunny, like just falling flat. Right from the start, it is like 90s edgy humor that wouldn't have even been edgy in the 90s. Yeah, yeah. This movie should have came out in like 2005. Like it's yeah, not. it's dated. It's, it's from another it, era. Like it definitely it's feels. It's dated to me, on it, arrival. And I was shocked yeah. that a Gen Xer made it because it's somehow more like sentimental and cheesy than, than anything a boomer could make. It's the kind of movie where at the beginning there's a gaggle of reporters interviewing Carell and oh. Byrne separately. Carell's a Democratic strategist and Byrne is a Republican strategist. And they have kind of a fraught romantic history history and they're being interviewed by a gaggle of reporters and in kind of a, a magical realism moment they're speaking straight dope where they're like what i'm gonna do right now is lie to you and then i'm gonna spin that lie and then you're gonna go take that lie and distribute it to all the other people and it's that kind of shit that wouldn't have even it wouldn't have even worked in the 90s we would have rolled our eyes in the 90s at that shit and you're kicking <laughs> off the movie with it yeah you're groaning immediately, yeah. Like, John Stewart... Okay, I have to say this. Like, John Stewart is 
a fucking hero of mine as he is to many people, you know, and he is known for being like on the cutting edge of especially political discourse and humor. So the fact that we find ourselves here airdropped into this instantly dated relic, like, what are you doing, man? What are you doing? He's like Rip Van Winkle who like fell asleep and yeah, in 2005, 2006, and woke up in 2019 or 2020 and didn't realize that the climate or culture had changed. And it shifted completely. And it's definitely like not just tone deaf. It's just like, dude, like this is death, you know? This yeah. Is I just- mean, like <laughs> the credit sequence is Bob Seger's still the same. Still which is, the same. Which is not true. I mean, we're not in the <laughs> same situation we were with the Clintons or the Bushes. Like we are in a different era right now. Yeah. And he reuses that song. Yes. You get double the Seeger. Yeah. You get all of these boomer classics. For a while in the early going, he's just he's just flexing on his music licensing. We got Rhinestone Cowboy. Oh, yeah. We got, a lot. It we comes got up still a lot. the same. Twice. It, it yeah. just, it's like, what do you, who are you appealing to with this? Who do you think <laughs> is watching this movie? And I, I have to say, like, this is another one of those something smells good in Stinkville films, just like Where'd You Go, Bernadette, where everybody involved is like talented. So you're coming to see the show, that the big show that they're putting on, and almost all of the choices, from the performances to the music, there's this precious acoustic guitar score oh, in this God. Oh, that, God. that will drive you insane. But almost all of the choices seem to be wrong, but you just can't look away. I was riveted by this movie. <laughs> I was on the edge of my seat. It had seat. like a downsizing vibe. Yes, yes. Lucas, wait, yes. wait. Okay. Yes. Now I'm gonna just because Alexander Payne will come up in my in my final bone count, but <laughs> but um I'm gonna defend downsizing again as I sure, still sure. do. This is much worse than downsizing. Downsizing is a second cousin to a something smells good in Stinkville film because you can't take your eyes off that either. This one, this movie is flawed to its core like there's no there's no way to fix this movie i, I would have there's loved no to see this with the, with a tuesday night discount crowd yes. just to hear the yes. the deafening silence with each yes. with the end of each scene like at the top of my notes i just wrote i miss you boys on this one yeah. i needed i needed to be preferably between you two to just feel that weirdly charged air that comes with something that's so misguided and mishandled yeah it's a it's magic it's a kind of magic i would have been sighing and exhaling lucas would have been dead i would have been been dead and crossing my legs and like repositioning my back like lucas would have been out to mcdonald's and back twice during this movie (laughs) no it's interesting because now that i think about it like not only is the the writing and the pacing and the tone just all off or, or dated, but like even the casting, like, so for instance, Toe for Grace when, is well, here. Well, no, no, like when, when <laughs> I was, I was happy to see him when we eventually got there, but like it, we took, all it took a while. We're all happy to no, see him. No, but Topher. like in the beginning, Steve Carell is in Wisconsin, I think, and he goes into like a, a bar to get like a burger yes. and a beer. Yes. And, and he meets these two locals, Tweedledee and Tweedledum, and one of them is Will Sasso from Fox's yeah. Mad TV. And it's like, yeah, okay, like we are in the 90s. Like this is yeah. like 1990 something. 
It's pure nineties. Um, and they're Bill Clinton references and like Bill Clinton joke. Yep. And I'm like, Oh my God, I walked out of uh, Greta Greta because of the Bill Clinton uh, <laughs> jokes. But you can't, you can't walk out on this one. Cause you're locked down, sir. Mm-hmm. The first time I smiled, I think I smiled twice when the movie wanted me to smile. The rest of it was unintentionally. My a smile was plastered on my face against the movie, but the two times it made me smile like legitimately was when Carell's on the plane to Wisconsin and he, you know, he's out of touch. He's a city boy and he has his laptop open to the Wikipedia page for Wisconsin. (laughs) That I thought was funny. The second time, the second time was during this infamous bar scene where he's talking to Tweedledee and Tweedledum and he, he's trying to fit in with the locals and failing hilariously. And he orders a Budweiser and a little glimmer of Michael Scott from The Office shines through as he looks down at the bud right before he drinks it. And he just kind of goes, mm, Budweiser. <laughs> That's it. The rest of the movie was completely off the rails comedically for me. And I was just laughing at the absurdity of it. When something is fundamentally off with a movie, every scene is charged with this potential for salad dragonry it's a low level throb of salad dragonry but it's present because nobody's acting like a human being in this yeah he arrives in this little town of deer lock in wisconsin and everybody is clueless yeah clueless he has to explain to them what a web page is he has to basically it's a fish out of water it's like a 1980s like fish out of water type of concept you know like mm-hmm. steve carell in the country or funny farm with chevy chase you know it would be dated even back then so carell tracks down this guy chris cooper who has had this viral video of him making this speech at a town hall meeting in in his little town in wisconsin and this is the guy that that he thinks he can groom into being the next mayor and maybe make a name for himself in the process so he goes to chris cooper's farm and i i mean i have to call this the salad dragon the salad dragon a scene in a movie that is so bizarre baffling or transcendent that it instantly justifies the price of admission or reese witherspoon's leafy transformation in a wrinkle in time It's a salad dragon shot. This, really. this was the first time I laughed in the movie. And to be fair, it wants us to laugh as well. But there's a shot where Carell is walking through the farm and he comes <laughs> around a corner and for the first time sees Mackenzie Davis, the lodge mistress's doppelganger herself. And it's in slow motion. You see him see her, he smiles. You see her kind of give this weird look and then it pulls out still in slow motion and we realize that her arm is up the ass of a cow. <laughs> and you see Corell's face slowly turn from smile to grimace, grimace, grimace. And it's still all in slow motion. But it's so tonally different from everything else that we've seen that it catches you off guard and it just like pulls the rug out from under you. But I do appreciate that shot. But as far as her performance in this movie is concerned, they introduce them as like 
almost a potential love interest couple. Yeah, it was. I was unsure about it through the whole movie. I was like, are they are they supposed to have chemistry uneasy. or like sexual tension? It just gives an air of uncomfortability over the whole proceeding. And the fact that Steve Carell just played a Matt Lauer surrogate type guy in the morning show for Apple Plus or whatever it's called, which I watched the whole series of. <laughs> and so watching him with Mackenzie Davis, it's just so uncomfortable. No, as you mentioned uh, on a text, it does have Captain Hoagie insanity vibe. Captain Hoagie is back. Yeah. Folks. Welcome, to Marwin. Welcome to Marwin's Captain Hoagie has returned. There's another tonally jarring moment when Rose Byrne comes to town and they meet up in this bakery where this baker woman is making these strudels that Corell is addicted to. And before she leaves, she just kind of licks his face and walks out. <laughs> <laughs> the idea being that she's tasting the strudel off of his mouth. Oh, that's what it was. I don't know what the fuck it was. You don't know what's going on there because it's all played out in this sterile medium shot. If you're bringing any sort of comedic ideas to this direction, you go close or you see that there's a little bit of strudel on his face. You maybe go close on the tongue. You do something to tell the joke. Yeah. So it's not just documented this woman just licking him out of the blue. That's... The problem I had overall with the movie is just not having any confidence in the way that it was put together, yeah. let alone the writing. The writing doesn't do anybody any favors either. No. Yeah, yeah, it's just too low stakes. It's just toothless and not edgy or funny enough. Yeah. Like, it's just kind of... The stakes are non-existent. It's preachy. We get it. Like, we get that Rose Byrne, Byrne, Byrne whatever, and <laughs> Steve Carell are these awful political consultants. We get that there's too much money in politics and the focus groups and the polling is just awful. We get it. This has been covered before. We don't need and, to go back. And there, there's, there's a shot where he's watching watching like some sort of CNN equivalent mm -hmm. and they go they go to the panelists and there's 20 people in the panel yeah. all in little squares and they all talk at once it's like oh my god you're skewering cable news like you're right on the cutting edge it seems like it would be something in like a lazy late period Mel Brooks satire like it would be called like vote you schmuck or something like it's it's like so warmed over yeah. and it's extra infuriating because we're in 2020. Yeah. Like, look at the political landscape. Oh, man, it's so much worse. It's so toxic and scary. It's a nightmare. It's a living, waking nightmare. Things are literally on fire. The circus right is now. on fire. The circus tent is burning down all around us. And instead of making like a documentary, like out Michael Mooring Michael Moore mm -hmm. with like a very scathing, very opinionated documentary on the state of things, he's making a toothless, instantly dated movie about campaign finance? Yeah. What are yeah. you doing? Yeah. What are you doing? What are you doing? Why did you leave The Daily Show? What are you doing? Oh, it's misguided. His heart's in the right place, but it, yeah, it's just he's he's not reading the room. It's not that this movie is like offensive. It's it's bad and it's misguided and it's mishandled. It's slight. It's slight. It's it's not. It's inconsequential. It's like it's, it's just yes. like a shrug. Like dude. Like it's the fact that it's so slight and so inconsequential <sighs> at this time in history mm -hmm. from him. That's the problem. 
Yeah. That's the offensive part. Yeah. Can I summon the second double salad dragon? I think yes, I know what can. it is. Go for it. Double dragon. All right. So the first time I chuckled or perked up was the the lodge mistress doppelganger arm in the cow's ass. I was like, yes. that tracks. That's great. Thank God. For it that. does track. Um, <laughs> and then I kind of yeah, I, I felt like how we all felt like through the duration of most of it. But then <laughs> there's like a scene like halfway through where Steve Carell and his team except a constituent or like a citizen from this Wisconsin town. He's a tech billionaire played by Bill Irwin. There we go. There we go. Yeah, that's the, yeah, that's the one. And, and he is unable is unable to walk or speak on his own. Again, this this scene comes out of fucking nowhere, people. And he's like he's like talking like Stephen Stephen Hawking. Okay, let me set the stage here. We're we're going for this. Yeah. It starts with a lazy 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 homage to Jurassic Park. Uh, Cutting yes. edge of bleeding edge of 1993 where we see a little cup of water on someone's desk. But again, it doesn't go in for the close-up to see those iconic little ripples, which you need if you're going to make a lazy homage to this fucking thing. I forgot about the Jurassic Park homage. It stays yeah, yeah. in like a kind of a medium shot of the cup and you just see it kind of bounce like someone's hitting the table from underneath. You can't, oh, you shouldn't be making that reference anyway. But if you're going to do it, do it right. Do it in 1994. So, yes. So what happens is this man who cannot speak or walk on his own walks in in a full mech suit. He walks in like Robocop. Mm -hmm. He walks in and then his speech is... Apple text to speech, but in in the style of pomp and circumstance. So he's like, "Hello, I am happy to meet you all." What the fuck? What is what? And then and then he's gone, and you never see him or hear from him oh. ever again. It is out of control that that happened, but. I am happy that it did oh happen. Oh my god! I have to say, but oh that, my that god. is. I wish the whole movie was like that. That is an example of a scene where, if I really want to feel uncomfortable, I think of all of the cast and crew watching that and like really pushing through, like laughing and like reassuring John Stewart, like, "Yes, this is fucking funny. This is this is a classic scene that everybody's oh. going to talk about." I don't want to see the behind the scenes to this movie. We oh, have to. We, we have to. to yeah. We have to look directly at it. We it's have like, to. It's that's, like behind the scenes to Marwin. Like you just don't yes, want to. Yeah. Yes. Mm -hmm. That's that is the key to these something smells good in stink film movies. You have yeah. to watch the behind the scenes yeah. to see what what the mood and the vibe was like on set. So yeah. Okay, so let's land the ship. Well, well, we got to cover the ending. Where That's what I'm talking okay, about. Okay, gotcha. We got to enter the final reveal of this movie, which is that the whole town was punking Corell and Byrne. They were all in on it. My exact words. The, they punked the usual, yeah. The usual suspects <laughs> twist. Yeah. And they were just playing dumb so that they could get all of these campaign donations funneled into their town that is being hit by hard times. And the whole town's in on it. Mackenzie Davis is totally in on it. She was the one that was shooting this 
supposed viral video that went around and they kind of show that there were multiple takes of that and that it was all just a big setup for them to get money and Corell is basically like you used me to Mackenzie Davis you used me and she's like I used you and then she goes on a big like straight from Jon Stewart's brain yeah through her mouth just the message monologue like <laughs> here it is the audition scene yeah and yes and then he's like well I thought maybe there was something between us and that's when she's like dude I'm 28 <laughs> like that would never that would never work. So what the problem is with this and it's again indicative of the whole movie and why the whole movie's broken is okay yeah you got us or whatever like well played but your movie still has the stink of this impending will they won't they that nobody wants to have happen throughout the whole movie. Your net gains are negative. It's not doing your movie any favors. It just yeah. it just gives you a weird feeling throughout. No, it's just it makes it ridiculous that this town's people punked the people and they were all acting the whole time. And Tweedledee and Tweedledum, of course, are revealed to be super smart, talking about the difference between metaphors and similes, Ugh. which is not that smart. But in this stupid dated movie, that's the pinnacle of like showing how brilliant they are. Yeah, no, it was it didn't <laughs> land for me. Like when the twist no. when the twist no. happened and. Corell reacted to it and kind of stormed off. It was kind of it was kind of like I shot. I was like, all right, okay, whatever, fine. It's a twist. Okay, great. Who cares? Like this. This twist would be enough to maybe carry like a B story on Veep, but not an entire feature film. Yeah. And I don't know why he thought he could hang this whole thing on it, and that it would somehow resonate with anything more than a shrug, but. I have to summon a third dragon. Yeah. Triple dragon. One, two, three, three. This ending. So Mackenzie has just told him off. She's like, nope, not going to happen, dude. And we go to black. We go to six months later on screen. Chris Cooper is setting up some sort of, you know, newfangled technological something or other in the town. Like, things are going well in the town. Mackenzie Davis is there. Steve Carell walks up and embraces her as as would a lover. And they look into <laughs> each other's eyes and you're like, wait, what? In six months, they somehow figured it out and now they're together? Like, what the fuck? She says, are you listening to me? Are you listening to me? It's revealed to be a dream. He is in bed daydreaming and he's actually with the strudel baker and they are in post-coital bliss and he's got strudel crumbs all over his chest <laughs> and so now you're like oh he ended up with the strudel baker okay and then she says are you listening to me are you listening to me he wakes up again he wakes up again. It's a kids in the hall <laughs> reference to the pair dream. I had a dream about yeah, the pair. Wayne's again. world too. Yeah. And he is now with Rose Byrne and they are doing their high powered political strategist thing, taking snipes at each other. And then they start making out. And then they show that Mackenzie Davis became mayor. And then it says, and I quote, money lived happily ever after reveling in its outsized influence over American politics. That, what, what do you do? That, that's the end. 
that is how you land the ship. No, but that's not the total end, though. I don't know if you watched in the credits, but, oh. but there's an interview with a guy that's like, this could really... <laughs> there's, an, there's a documentary interview where Jon Stewart's oh. interviewing. I don't know who the hell the guy was, but he's like, this could really happen. It just keeps going. Yeah. And you get that little touch of Jon Stewart interviewing a real guy, and you're like, bro. Yeah. Why didn't you make a documentary? No. Yeah. I was just waiting for the website to come out. Like, take action, go to this website. Like, <laughs> it's like if Quentin Tarantino still demanded to be an actor mm -hmm. and he's like, I will, I will only direct one film for every 10 films that I headline. You'd be like, bro, follow <laughs> your strengths, dude. Yeah. What are you doing? Oh, I'm worked up, boys. I'm worked up. You're That's sounding right. like the hothead. You're the lodge master well, I, hothead. Yeah. I'm the hothead tonight. I yeah. am the I'm on fire tonight, boys. We gotta yeah. go to them irresistibones. All right, brother Lucas. What are you doing with this thing? Um, so <laughs> I was just sitting here thinking, like, man, when this first started and I started watching it. I was so bummed out because it definitely <laughs> felt like a chore. Like I just was like not on this movie's frequency with the exception of the, uh, the hand of the cow's ass. Um, <laughs> but once we talked about one of the three salad dragons and I reacted so positively because, you know, again, I'm watching this in a vacuum. I'm watching this alone. And so for us to kind of come together vir virtually, digitally uh on zoom to hear you guys like describe it or retell it, it, it it's just like such a fun experience so i have to kind of raise my bone count slightly <laughs> because of that Ooh. um because Ooh. this really is a one boner you know premise um i really think it should have been you know rose Byrne is like some sexy candidate that shows up and the whole town is like throwing themselves at her and she has to she's, like she was good i have she, no problem with rose yeah Burn no she's film. great she's always great she's solid um so i'll give it two bones just because of that oh, oh, just because oh just because just because oh. of the uh the the handicap guy and the and the mesh shoot like walking you know towards <laughs> steve carell and like only being able to talk and these like weird tones because that shit i mean that's a salad drink at all that right shit there. is like next planet like next level like <laughs> other planet crazy like i don't i don't know if it's if it's 2020 compliant but i i was dying when you guys were talking about earlier so i have to kick it up like another bone for that wow i love it the bone count going up due to us grab assing about this stupid movie i love it that's how it should be yeah brother bishke four bones uh, not four, but Lucas is on to something. Um, <laughs> I'm telling you, my top at the top of my notes. I miss you boys on I this know. one. Yeah, like, I know. That I is what loved, is needed here. I would have loved to be right in the I, middle. I would have loved the, for the lodge mistress to have been in the theater with us. So yes. when the hands yeah. up the cow's ass, I could make eye contact with her and be like, "Yes, <laughs> yes." I would yeah. allow that. And as you can probably guess, I showed her all of these top clips the following day. Like yeah. I was like, sit down. I got to show you this thing. What the <laughs> fuck is going on here? So, yeah, it's infamous. It's yeah. instantly infamous. Look, political satire is not easy. I looked at a, like a list of 
political satire movies. Yeah. Most of them are pretty terrible. I mean, right, we tried yeah. we tried Canadian Bacon, uh, oh, oh, which is oh. unwatchable. We had to Michael shut Michael Moore's off. Canadian Bacon. I can't even I can't even finish Michael Ritchie's The Candidate with Robert Redford, which is supposed to well, be that, one yeah, of the Yeah, that's best. a softball. I, I watched that one recently, and that's a softball. The movie that I kept thinking of is Citizen Ruth by Alexander Payne, which I think yeah. is, a, is a pretty great film. Yeah. I think, but that is our very best comedic writer-director, in my opinion, Alexander Payne. So John Stewart coming off, I don't know, he's he directed it. I think he did one more film, one film before this, which what what are you doing, John Stewart? Like, why did you leave the Daily Show? We need you as what you're good at. Why yeah. are you wasting your time in these critical years? doing these films yeah because they, they, these these films i didn't see rosewater but they both seem very self-serving or self-congratulatory or like i don't know they just seem like vanity projects to me it's like they they are out of touch and out of time and it's like you you can everyone i think wants to be a director like what i really want to do is direct and i respect that but if you're gonna tackle political subject matter you need like a current up-to-date you know, young, woke writer to help you see the forest from the trees. Yeah, yeah this ain't yeah. it. <laughs> no, no. And it's like, you know, with political satire, I mean, you can't compete with reality now. No. I mean, we're, we're in the darkest comedy. We're so far beyond satire. And this 90s style film, which is, you know, still the same. We're just, we're just in the same position we were back with... <laughs> Back, you know, it's always there about are money. Bill Clinton jokes, like jokes. I don't ever remember them because they're always so bad. But it's like, how do you not make a George W. Bush joke, a Mike Pence joke? <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, what are you doing? Yeah, like like an Al Franken joke. Like, there's no joke. LT's allergic to Bill Clinton references. <laughs> I mean, for good Jesus reason. Christ! All right, Bishki. Yeah. So anyway, I Go mean, ahead. if you want to get your point across, because it is preachy. Just do a documentary like that's the way to go nowadays. Like, don't try to just have Mackenzie Davis deliver a five minute monologue about what you're exactly thinking at the moment. Like, it's that's it's rough. Brutal. I did have a few mild laughs. I thought some of the <laughs> some of the Fox News um, satire was a little funny. And I thought Chris Cooper was good. We didn't talk yeah. about Chris Cooper. I, he's always good. He's, he's gravitas on two legs. Yeah, yeah, yeah he's fine. Uh, but I don't know if I was as outraged. I guess I don't have as much of a history with Jon Stewart, so I don't know if I was as outraged as the Lodge Master. Um, so in this case and talking about it has been enjoyable i'm gonna i'm, I'm gonna throw it two bones along <laughs> oh. with brother lucas but oh, uh you guys but uh no it's i'm not saying it's good but i don't think it's marwin level it's not as bad as marwin marwin no. i yeah. mean marwin is on another planet as well but but this one yeah, it, yeah it's like you're right who's the audience for this like i don't like know gen, no, i don't gen know gen xers that live in blue states or swing states like really like that's anybody so who truly loves john stewart will just pretend this didn't happen yeah <laughs> that's what it is and it just came out we're already like let's put that way behind us now mm -hmm. and speaking of vanity projects i'm at the point with our current climate where if John Stewart is doing anything, anything other than doing exactly what he needs to do, which is being America's grandfather now and like fucking helping us cope. If you're doing anything other than that, 
that's narcissistic levels off the charts. Like yeah. you presented yourself to us and we fell in love with you as this comforting, calm, rational, logical, funny as fuck dude. Like a real life who, Fletch, like the real life Fletch. And yeah. you're coming at us with this. You're coming at us with some funny farm shit and we want some Fletch. We need the true anger and cutting edge comedy. It's like he's baiting and switching us with who he is and who he should be. And I get that human beings have the freedom to be and do whatever they want. But if anybody knows well enough that right now the Jon Stewart of The Daily Show is what we need, mm. it's Jon motherfucking Stewart. And yeah. he should know what to give us to help us. And this is not helping anyone. I feel like what you said earlier about the um, the morning show on Apple Plus is interesting because I haven't seen it, but now I want to because I'm just sitting here thinking like that's a better you know, character for Steve Carell, you know, like maybe Rose Byrne is Megan Kelly or, or whoever, you know, like, and you, you, Steve Carell was good in the morning show. I, but I was the, impressed you, with but, him what, there. But, but basically what I've learned on this lodge cast through the years is when you have people like Steve Carell and Rose Byrne and Chris Cooper, it's like, dude, you've got all the fixins and trimmings and all the buttons and bells, knobs and whistles and whatever. It's like you can build mountains. You can make like a, an amazing sandcastle with this. Like, don't don't waste it on, you know, uh, a sandbox of of like a pale tiptoe. I don't know. It's just like I was following that all the way to the <laughs> <laughs> your sandcastle analogy i was digging it and then a wave comes in and washes yes. it all away <laughs> that's right well the the wave of indifference is going to wash this out to sea and no one no one will ever speak of this movie ever ever again i think we've probably already given it more credence and more of a moment than it will ever have anywhere else and that's a fucking tragedy like this, this could have been, this could have been that sandcastle you were dreaming of, Lucas, and it just mm -hmm. wasn't. But for listeners of this Lodgecast, I know we, we've just like laid waste to this movie and all of its plot points, but you really won't know what we're talking about unless you just watch it. Like <laughs> if, if, if you really want to follow that something smells good and stink filled trail that we're laying out with some of these movies, this is one. How many bones, Lodgemaster? Oh, man. Okay, I'm going to give it, oh, oh, it hurts. <laughs> the bones are coming out sideways tonight, boys. I mean, I'm I'm so mad at this at this whole endeavor that I got to give it a half bone. Whoa. I'm just I'm just wow. so pissed. Wow! But wow! I love this love and light that we're talking about. How even though we watched it separately, talking about it together and dealing with the trauma and dealing with the pain, that's worth another half bone for me. So I'm gonna give it one rickety piece together Frankenstein bullshit bone. Jesus Christ, I need a drink. That, <laughs> oh my God. Oh my John God. John Stewart's last word before the uh, oh, apocalypse happens. Jay Stu, what did you, you do? Son of a Where'd bitch. you go, John Stewart? Where'd you go? So. All right, boys. Well, I love you to pieces. I wanna see these movies together again someday oh man yeah, yeah. god nice. willing in the meantime we're at least connected through some sort of weird mystical psychic <laughs> connection that we're that we're discovering yeah like i knew when i was watching uh this movie yeah that uh 
those moments we were all kind of in sync together. It's called irresistible, Lucas. Oh, Never forget. <laughs> As Gaspar Noé would say, irresistible. It's oh. irresistible. Yeah. Oh, Let's check it God. out. Terry Black. All right. iTunes. Love and light, everybody. Love and light. Love and light. <laughs> <laughs> oh.